Welcome to Checkup Chat with Evergreen Health. I'm Scott Webb. And it's hard to fathom, but we're entering the third year of COVID-19 and this pandemic. And with variants like Omicron and other likely variants in the future, it's a good time to have on Dr. Atori Palazzo. He's the Chief Medical and Quality Officer at Evergreen Health. And he's here today to discuss the latest guidance for COVID-19 testing and when we should seek care. So, Doctor, thanks so much for your time. We were just kind of speaking off the air a little bit that uh, we're still here. We're still talking about COVID-19. And can you give us a snapshot of what it's like at Evergreen Health and other hospitals in the region as we continue to respond to this latest wave of the pandemic? We're talking specifically about Omicron. Sure. Well, looking back in nearly two years of this pandemic, it has been very interesting to see how the various challenges have come forward for healthcare in general with the different dynamic phases of this. And no question, the Omicron wave is very different than any previous time in the pandemic. Evergreen Health and other hospitals in the region are seeing the most COVID-19 hospitalizations uh, compared to any other time in the pandemic. Really looking at it in the last month, it's been a tenfold increase in, in hospitalizations. And uh, no question, it's challenging. That stated, uh, I personally am optimistic knowing that case counts have started to decrease in King County where we're at, and we're starting to see a plateau in hospitalization. It's absolutely humbling to see the continued response of our, our healthcare workers, not just here at Evergreen Health, but just everywhere standing up and uh, continuing to do their work in what is proving to be probably the most challenging uh, time in the pandemic for us. So let's talk about the shifting realities in terms of the guidance and when we should be tested for COVID-19. Great question. And no question that with the current Omicron surge, the significant increase in transmissibility associated with this variant and the resultant increase in symptomatic individuals has challenged testing capacity. It's also informed how we should go about testing now that we see that this particular virus does appear to be less severe and how that might play into who should be tested and when. Even though testing capacity has been challenged, state, local, uh, and federal public health agencies are doing everything they can to increase that testing availability, and that certainly uh, has helped. Right now, the primary recommendation is if you have signs or symptoms of COVID-19, and those include things like fevers, chills, sore throat, nasal congestion, runny nose, cough, of course, muscle and body aches, then it's very important uh, to get tested as early as possible regardless of your vaccination status. And that will help inform what needs to happen from the standpoint of isolation or quarantine to help reduce uh, transmission. And we do have increased availability of home testing kits and, and the usage of those to help in this scenario. But one of the key points is determining what is the best place to get tested, understanding some of those same challenges we talked about earlier with hospitals and emergency rooms being very busy right now and testing at a testing site or using home testing kits be more appropriate. And that's really important in this phase of the pandemic. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Uh, I have some at-home tests, uh, as I'm sure many people do, and there was a program where you could log on and you could grab yourself, uh, I think it was four, for free from the government. And when we think about the at-home tests, obviously we're not doctors and nurses, but we can follow instructions. And so what's your sense of how effective are those at-home tests because they're so coveted, right? They're so highly prized. When should we use them? Maybe you can kind of take us through that. Sure. So there are different testing methodologies available out there that have different sensitivities. The at-home tests 
tests, also known as antigen tests, that look to detect particles of the virus in nasal swabs. Those are what's primarily available for home testing. And the sensitivity is such that we do pick up on individuals that have a viral load that would be consequential, that certainly could lead to a scenario where even if asymptomatic, you could transmit to others. So right now, if you are mildly ill from COVID and not having symptoms that would require you to come into the hospital, and we can talk about what that would mean, if you're having symptoms, a home test is absolutely appropriate uh, to utilize to determine if those symptoms are COVID-19, and if positive, then inform what you should be doing from an isolation standpoint. The fact that individuals that are sicker coming to a hospital that may need more intensive care and we need to have a, a more highly sensitive test to ensure we understand what's causing that, things like molecular tests, you may have heard of PCR tests, those are utilized often in a hospital uh, emergency room scenario to identify what needs to be done next as patients are entering into the hospital to receive care. Yeah, and so when we're at home and we have, as you're sort of describing those typical COVID-19 symptoms, they also kind of sound like typical cold and flu symptoms as well. And so I think that that's one of the tricky things for all of us is trying to determine, okay, well, is this runny nose COVID or is this runny nose a cold? And would it be prudent to just sort of default, you know what, let's rule out COVID first. And if it's not COVID, then it probably is a cold versus just assuming, ah, it's a cold, it's winter. Uh, What's your recommendation? Yeah, right now, and that is the challenge with this particular virus. It has some of the exact same symptoms that we would see from the common cold or or the flu. And so knowing that we do still have the goal of trying to reduce transmission, if you have those symptoms and you have a home test available to you, it's absolutely appropriate to utilize it in that scenario to identify if this is COVID-19. If you don't have a test available to you and you're not in a situation where your symptoms require you to come to the hospital for additional care, then it's not a bad idea just to simply assume that you may have COVID. Maybe you had an exposure that would inform that scenario and follow an isolation protocol that would fit with that to still reduce the chance of transmission even if you do not have a confirmed test. Yeah, and can we talk a little bit about the difference between uh, quarantine and isolation? As I've come to learn, those are not just a matter of semantics. They are a little bit different, and maybe you could help folks kind of understand the difference between the two. When you are asked to isolate, that is in the specific scenario of having a confirmed uh, infection or highly presumed infection. So if you have a positive test, then an isolation protocol is absolutely important to reduce transmission. So in that situation, regardless of vaccine status, the recommendation from the CDC is to isolate for five days. If your symptoms are improving after that five-day period or nearly resolved, then you can discontinue isolation, but meet sure to wear a well-fitting mask for an additional five days beyond that, noting that most transmission for SARS-CoV-2, the COVID-19 virus, takes place in the one to two days prior to symptom onset and two to three days after symptom onset. So that's isolation. Quarantine speaks to a high-risk exposure, but that you may not have the disease. So if you've had a high-risk exposure, which generally is being within six feet uh, for 15 minutes or more of someone with known infection, then in that scenario, the recommendation is to do a quarantine protocol where you are at home or away from others for a five-day period as well. And depending on your vaccine status, and this is where things have changed recently, the determination of what to do next 
next falls into place. And if I could, we could talk a little bit more about that. So this is where things have changed a bit based on vaccine status. If you are up to date on your vaccinations, so that means you are fully vaccinated, and if it's uh, beyond five months from that time period, having received a booster, then a high-risk exposure does not require you to quarantine. However, you should still test at five days to ensure that you haven't developed an asymptomatic infection. Those that aren't up to date with their vaccination status then should fully quarantine, keep themselves away from others for five days, test on day five, and if you're not having any symptoms or your test is negative, uh, then you can discontinue quarantine. Still very important to continue to wear a high-quality, well-fitting mask for an additional five days or more. Yeah, it does seem that it comes back to the mask a lot of times. Let's talk about the latest treatment options for people who either are positive or are presumed to be positive. Well, this is one area that things have evolved significantly uh, compared to what was available for really what was just those patients that were sick enough to be in the hospital to receive IV antiviral therapies like remdesivir and and some of the other immunomodulatory therapies that helped prevent some of the challenges that come with severe COVID. Recently, we have uh, received additional therapies like new monoclonal antibody therapies for those in the outpatient setting. They're at high risk for progression uh, to COVID-19, and those are an important armamentarium to help prevent the progression of disease. We did know that some of the earlier monoclonal antibodies that were available like things uh, like Regeneron, no longer are effective against the current Omicron variant. So there are new monoclonal antibodies, both for pre-exposure prophylaxis, so before you might be exposed to COVID, and for those that then develop COVID to receive a therapy that reduces your risk of getting sick. Oral antivirals like molnupiravir and Paxlovid have now become available to help in that outpatient setting as well. I think it's important to know that right now, the availability of these medicines are, are quite limited, and we look forward to increased availability. So those medicines are, are being reserved for those patients at highest risk for potential development of severe COVID. For those that just have mild illness, no other chronic conditions that would lead to a progressive uh, disease scenario, we recommend that we would do what we do for the normal cold and and, uh, make sure you monitor for progression of symptoms, but do the isolation and quarantine protocols and not necessarily worry about needing a specific therapy at that time. Yeah, it is amazing how far we've come, and uh, so great to have your time today. And I wanted to ask you, if someone has to get a test before going back to school or the workplace, and we talked a little bit about uh, the home testing, when we think about people who have to be tested in order to go somewhere, to do something, and not just for their own purposes, do you think that the home tests are acceptable or appropriate, uh, or do you believe that they should be tested at the doctor's office or the hospital? Well, in that situation, if you are being asked to test for a uh, workplace scenario or travel, I would confirm with that governing body on what type of COVID test they're requiring. In most instances, a home test or an antigen test are acceptable in that situation. And as we talked about before, those options for testing, including home availability, as well as testing centers that offer the antigen type testing, I think is appropriate. But uh, confirming what test is appropriate per their regulatory protocols, I think is important to help inform that decision. 
Yeah, that's perfect. We can just say, ask them, say, will you accept a home test, right? So uh, this has been so helpful, so educational. I'm sure listeners will agree. They're all nodding their heads right now. As we wrap up, Doctor, what's the most important thing for the community right now to know about COVID-19, the response to COVID-19? You know, what would be your takeaways? Well, I think I would say that each individual should know that they can make a difference, of course, in their own health and the health of their community through straightforward measures that are are tried and true. And top of that list is getting vaccinated. Currently at Evergreen Health, the overwhelming majority of patients that are hospitalized with COVID-19 are not up to date with their vaccine. And no question, that is the best defense for possible need for medical care going forward. And this holds true even for the current Omicron variant. Know that everyone age 12 and older are eligible for a booster dose right now, five months after their second dose of Pfizer or Moderna, two months after their initial dose of J&J. So that's so important. Masking, wearing the highest quality mask when you're around others, ensure that it fits properly. And then remember to continue physically distancing when possible. Indoor spaces can be challenging. If you need to gather, make sure that you're doing it in a well-ventilated space. And outdoors is great. Even though we're in the wintertime, there's great weather ahead that will allow for that. Finally, we at Evergreen Health want the community to know that we're here for you. We ask that you don't delay routine health care visits. This will help avoid more advanced medical needs in the future. And we can't thank our community enough for the support for our healthcare workers to take these steps uh, to keep themselves safe. Well, that's perfect. You are an awesome guest and a wealth of information and your level of optimism is reassuring, you know, because it's difficult. We all have had these periods over the last two years with ups and downs. And then I get to talk to someone like yourself and I feel a little bit up again. Uh, Reason for optimism. So as you say, vaccines, boosters, masks, distancing, all the things that we've learned that are effective against COVID-19 over the last two years. So, doctor, thank you so much for your time. You stay well. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And that wraps up this episode of Checkup Chat with Evergreen Health. Head on over to our website at evergreenhealth.com for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other Evergreen Health podcasts. For more health tips and updates, follow us on your social channels.